Hey everyone, Mr. Toast here. Just a quick reminder that you can watch the podcast live and interact with us and other viewers on twitch.tv slash convictedtoast. I also wanted to mention that we have a Discord server where you can ask us questions and make suggestions about the podcast. Link in the description. Enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Mixed Media Podcast. I am Mr. Rager, joined as always by Mr. Toast, and I'd just like to say that we have the best timing out of probably any podcast on whatever platform. They might be better than us, they might be able to talk about things better than us, but they do not have our timing. <laughs> if anybody watched last week's episode, you'll know that we scheduled this episode of Death Stranding, uh, that, about Death Stranding that was supposed to come out today. And halfway through the week, lo and behold, a 10-minute trailer for Death Stranding 2 with its new title on the beach was revealed uh, just in time for our podcast. It, it's honestly, it's incredible because we were sitting there and it's like we put we push it off, we push it off, we push it off. And then we're like, OK, we're finally going to do it. Trailer drops. We have mastered time and space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's eerie, the timing that we had for this one, guys. Um but yeah, this is our first uh, video game, uh, like centered episode, right? And we never yeah, really we've just never entire... never done a centered video around video games. But this is the first one where it's the entire subject is a video game. Is a video game. It is our first podcast sponsored by Movie. I'm just joking. We didn't get a Movie sponsorship. But It'd be movie... cool though. Yeah, if, uh, if anybody, any movies here, if anybody's uh, anybody's you know watching or, or listening, you know maybe uh, I'll send you the email. You can you can chat with us. <laughs> Listen, movie, I, I I'm subbed. I watched five short films on there last night. We're looking for a sponsorship movie. Uh, so yeah, let's. Uh, we don't really have like a uh, specific rhyme or reason uh, for how we're going to discuss Death Stranding. We just kind of wanted to let ourselves go and just explore the game so i'm gonna start this off right now with this um if you haven't played death stranding and you're worried about spoilers for the story you might not want to watch this because i'm not sure at what point we're going to spoil something it could be like five minutes in it could be 50 minutes it could be the next word i say it could be a spoiler it's (laughs) it, it, it could be uh i was i was thinking of like a one word spoiler but i couldn't I couldn't think of one. Uh, Norman Reedus. Uh, oh, shit, that burns <laughs> the whole thing, doesn't it? Yep. He's crawling all over this thing. Um, but this is also just a prank. We're, we're really covering Ride with Norman Reedus. Yep, we're uh, actually sponsored by AMC. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. They, the show they canceled like four years ago, we're, we're sponsoring it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... When it when it comes to Death Stranding, um, I would say easily probably if not the I would say it's one of the most creative stories told in a video game. Yeah, especially the way it, how it tells its story. Yeah, it's very unorthodox. It's not your basic, uh, like you know, story game. Uh, it's not like you're playing like, uh like a telltale game or like Detroit become human. It's you're experiencing the game at like kind of your own pace. Yeah. And this is, um, I feel like this is a very perfect game for us to kind of start off with video games and start talking about them on the podcast, because this is the closest thing to like film as a game that you could get pretty much or like a TV show, I would say, cause it's, it's divided up into episodes. Yeah. Like a lot of his stuff is. Yeah. It's, um, the him and uh, remedy they both do a very similar thing where they kind of treat each chapter as like kind of a tv episode almost uh and it kind of delves more into like each of the chapters in the game is named after a particular character and more of that chapter revolves around that character's story yeah. um so it's it's interesting because you get to like interact with these characters throughout, but then when you get to their chapter, it becomes very oriented around them and you get much more depth in time with them. Yeah. And another, um, 
before we go any further, I just want to, for everybody who isn't aware, Death Stranding is a video game that was released right before the pandemic, which is something that we'll also be talking about. Yeah, uh, Kojima has better timing than we do, I think, despite the fact that we've mastered time. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, it's a video game, came out in 2019. It's got a lot of big uh, stars in it. Norman Reedus plays the lead, Sam Porter Bridges. Uh, you've got Margaret Qualley, who plays a character, Guillermo del Toro, who plays a character, Conan O'Brien cameos as a character, Troy Baker, who is huge in the video game world, and he plays one of the villains, and one of my personal favorite characters in the game, you have Mads Mikkelsen as, I don't know if I want to call him an, an antagonist, we're, we're past spoiler, the spoiler warning, I don't know if I want to call Mads Mikkelsen's character an antagonist I, I wouldn't say he is. I wouldn't say so either, I think he's more of a, an anomaly right, and I guess for like parts of the game you could kind of view him as an antagonist but once you've figured everything out, he's not He's not really a bad guy. Per no, se. he's not. I. It's more so that uh, he's kind of just caught in time, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think that's kind of a good way to describe him. So the big question: What is the Death Stranding um, that the game is named after? It is kind of like this disease thing it, well it's not really a disease because you're kind it's no, something it's with a, death. it's a cat it's like a world-ending event um that didn't like cause extinction i they actually call it a what is it a extinction entity what isn't it? Yeah, yeah an extinction entity it's supposed to bring about extinction and it's not going as planned and we're left in this kind of apocalyptic world. Not very many people are left. And Sam Porter Bridges is tasked with reconnecting all of the United States together under the chiral network. Oh my God, this is this is going to be an interesting podcast. Yeah. You've never heard a single. <laughs> there are going to be a lot of things that we're going to say. And you're going to be like, what the fuck are those two talking about? <laughs> right. Um, there are parts of it too that I think like, like people kind of discussed this the you know up to the release where nobody really knew what the game was going to be even to a degree i think it's still hard to say exactly what the game is um but for the people that still say oh it's just a walking simulator you're incorrect <laughs> yeah no honestly um there are a lot of games that people play and i'm like really and then there are ones like this that a lot of people will shit on and i'm like you're kidding me, right? Yeah. This is probably one of the best written, and the the world, I mean, it creates an entirely new science fiction world from, from scratch with all these different ideas, and the BB has got to be one of my one of my favorite devices in the game. It's this thing that you can use, um, and it's also integral to the story. It's a, a fetus, as the title of the podcast says, Norman Reedus and his funky fetus. It is a fetus that, when you activate it, it can help you see these creatures called BTs, which stands for beached things, that are still tethered uh, to life, even though they've died. Dude, I, whoa, <laughs> saying all these words all together <laughs> like that, it's... Yeah, I feel like somebody somebody's like listening to this and they're just like, I didn't smoke weed today. What is this? <laughs> yeah, um there there there's a lot of stuff in this game. Um there are a lot of terms and things that you kinda catch on to as the game progresses. Um I love Guillermo del Toro with all my heart. I love his movies. I think he is he is great in this. Um there are a lot of really, really great performances in this game, and that's I think let's let's make that the first thing we talk about is kind of the characters and the performances they embody. Yeah. Uh, uh, who do you want to start with? Well, let's do this. Tell me, talk to me about who your who your favorite performance is, who your favorite character is. Tell me favorite, why. Uh, so, as far as the stories go, there were two that hit me a lot, and that would be. Um, Hartman and Mama. Those two are profound. 
Mama's really good. I, I really like Margaret Qualley. I think she's going to, as the years go on, she's going to get bigger and bigger because she's been, she's very new and she's already done so many great things. She was just in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's in Death Stranding. Um, her character Mama, I would say, is probably one of the most tragic. I, Heartman's is pretty tragic too, but not as tragic, I no. would say, as Mama's. Um, so her character in the story, uh, she was giving birth in a hospital when the extinction event occurred. And um, basically, how does it work? I know it's like whenever they eat someone or someone dies or they first become, there's that big explosion. How does that happen again? Yeah, remember. so it's whenever a um, like a large BT like eats like a corpse or like a body basically that is what causes the explosion okay so one of those happens near um where she's giving birth and she's trapped under this rubble and there is um a i don't even know how to describe this her baby was killed but it became a bt and it was attached to her yeah. Through this umbilical cord. And as she states it, it's that um, the baby passing basically saved her own life because the like rescue team heard the baby crying despite the fact that it was no longer in the land of the living. Yeah. And when you get to her at this point in the game, you don't really know a lot. And you know that she has a baby because you hear the baby crying yeah. and things like that. And when it's revealed, I mean, it is it, it is heartbreaking. Yeah, the way that they do it is they kind of play it up where you think it's going to be something really suspenseful because uh, Sam walks into her, like, workshop to start with, and as it, uh, in the, I can't remember what it's called, but um, it's like the, I can't remember. Basically, the thing that's on the back that, like, scans for BT starts going off, and BB, the uh, bridge baby that Sam carries around, is also detecting um, a BT in the area. And that's when Mama comes out and explains the whole situation, the whole story, as you see the um, the BB fly, like, floating, or the BT and up in the air. Which, uh, also, really cool detail is uh if sam is not plugged in with bb you don't see them like you don't see bts and i love that in the cutscenes that applies as well where when he plugs in you see you start seeing them yeah there's there's a lot of great attention to detail in this game kojiba like just a quick segue there there's some wild there's some wild shit in this game i mean you have to piss and you can collect your piss and turn it into a weapon and he drinks monster straight out of the can and yep. or he'll put it in like a canteen and drink monster energy i mean it's it's very on the nose. The shower, you could take a shower and sometimes the shower door will advertise ride with norman Reedus. It's yep. it's really funny and kind of breaks the fourth wall at certain points, but it also maintains that kind of seriousness and deep storytelling throughout, despite having things like that in the game, which I think is very impressive for a game or, or film to do. Any type of, when you're trying to tell a story and you have fourth wall breaks and humor like that, but you can also balance it with these somber moments and these beats of storytelling that absolutely grip your viewer it it's it's very telling of the writers yeah. who are able to balance those two things so well i also love the way that the setting tells the like parts of the story where the whole like you have like each of the different characters are going through their own thing but they also have people that you know you aren't connected to and are actually um in opposition to towards you in the uh, mules who were basically they were porters just like sam but they basically like they got like a serotonin rush like they get like that dopamine serotonin the chemicals in your brain being like this is a good thing the likes are helping me that kind of thing pushing them forward and like they basically to a point where they stop caring about delivering packages and there's something about just taking packages from other people that that drives them and I think it's interesting to play into that because there's also like the way that that links in to like the world itself and also going into where we had to talk about it at some point with the pandemic and how 
basically this story mirrors that almost identically with having people being isolated and uh, separated from each other. Let's tear into it. Yeah. Let's tear into that idea. I mean, this was this was something that I think you noticed a little bit more than I did and something that I never really had thought about. Well, that's actually a thing, too, because I played the game when it had come out and like I, you know, was going through it was November 2019. I was playing the game, going through it and like, you know, I was like, this is a great story. I'm having a great time with this. And then, you know, uh, March of 2020 came around and uh, we all know what happened in that event. But, you know, seeing the similarities with uh, like the porters are basically the people that go out and, you know, are bringing supplies and things to people, which is mirroring the same thing as uh, like, you know, your essential businesses, you know? Yes, and COVID was more about the idea of everything being locked down and us being isolated from one another, and that's the major theme of Death Stranding. Yeah, it's and it's also kinda... playing okay, on sorry. the... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You're fine. Um, but it's also playing with that same thing with uh, the isolation, as, like, the people literally have to, like, they have to take, like, vitamin D supplements, they have to take, like, uh, stuff that's going to like artificially boost their serotonin and stuff because otherwise they like all get super depressed because they can't socialize. Yeah, and then you have Conan O'Brien's character who's just completely happy go lucky and gives you an otter hat. Dude, what I rocked that otter hat. Comedian? I did too. <laughs> what is he known as? The Wandering Comedian? Something like that. During st- I can't remember what it is, but yeah, Conan O'Brien's got a quick cameo. And actually, they filmed that when Kojima went on. He asked Conan, and they filmed it for his show. I didn't know that till after I had played it. But yeah, Conan flew to Japan, and like on his show, you could see him getting ready to film that camera. Oh, that's really cool. They didn't know that. There's a lot of... And I saw... Um, I know Keegan hasn't seen the trailer yet. Um, He was like, should I watch before the podcast? I was getting pretty close to start time. I was like, Keegan, the trailer's 10 minutes. And he's like, oh... <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing too much I'll I'll touch on, but I just want to touch on some of the some of the big names, and that feeds into the uh, the first game as well. Sorry, I had to sneeze. Um, that touches into the first game as well. Some of the big names he gets, not just Mads Mikkelsen, or Ge- but he's getting directors like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, and a big name in the second one is another huge director who I didn't think would make an appearance. He's got George Miller, the guy that directed Mad Max and Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, wow. He's playing a character in uh, Death Stranding 2 as well, which uh, I think they said 2025 at the end of the trailer. Hmm. But then he announced a third game that same day that he revealed he's not making in a game studio. He's making it on Columbia Pictures Backlot. Whoa, okay. Yeah, first game to ever do something like that, and that was all that he revealed for it. He revealed that it was going to be a Sony exclusive, so he's making two Sony exclusives and one Xbox exclusive, and uh, they're filming at Sony-owned Columbia Pictures or whatever this other new game is that he has. Interesting. Yeah, he's getting... It seems like after he kind of dealt with Konami, we're talking about Hideo Kojima, I don't know if we've said his name yet we keep referencing him as he um after uh kojima's kind of dealings with konami he blew up a little bit i mean he he was quiet for a few years then he had death stranding and now he's like appearing in all this shit he's like a celebrity yeah i think what what kind of happened was he started off and um tragically uh i'm gonna talk about metal gear for a second because i feel like we have to if we're talking about kojima uh so when kojima was started working on metal gear he basically wanted to do metal gear solid and metal gear solid 2 and then he wanted to be done with it but when it came time for metal gear solid 3 nobody wanted to take the directing lead so fell on him same thing happened with metal gear solid 4 and with metal gear solid 5 so basically i feel like what happened when they he finally got you know they cut ties with konami he got into a position where he was able to take all these ideas that he's been ha- like building up for years and he's now being able to execute them. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. He's got that freedom because Konami probably kept him on a ball and chain and they finally let him, you know, when he started working on PT and then they had gotten rid of him. And I would argue that the game awards that year 
I don't know if anybody remembers, but he was very famously not allowed to come in and collect his reward or his award for yeah. what he had won. And I think that also boosted his popularity quite a bit. It's actually a big thing. I remember, um, I don't remember what event it was, but when he initially, um, like revealed death stranding, um, when he like came out, they had this thing where they were going to like sync up his footsteps with these panels on the floor. So each step would light up. Ko- Kojima does not follow the rules and he did not step on the patterns as he was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically a, a good majority of the game is kind of just you're following Sam Porter bridges as he's crossing the country, delivering these packages and meeting people some of the biggest sequences in the game are these wild ass sequences. And the first one completely knocked me on my ass where they take you back to a real war in America that becomes a third person just shooter for like an hour until you're done with that chapter. And it happens like three or four times, I think. I think it's about three times. Um, and it's a different war each time. The first one is World War One, then it's World War Two, and I think the third one's Vietnam. See, I thought there was a fourth one in Afghanistan. Maybe I could be wrong. It's it's been a while since I finished the game. To be yeah, honest, it's, so it's been a little bit since we both played it. Like we said, we've been kind of putting this episode off for a while now. Yeah, I think when we initially just... had the idea to uh, do Death Stranding, you had like just finished it, like a, a week or two before. Yeah, it was good. We were thinking about doing it for a Halloween episode. I remember. Yeah. At one point, and then we were considering doing it for we. We've been putting it off for a while, so it's been a minute since either of us played the game, but for a podcast for us to each replay a 30-hour game with everything we got going on, yeah, you know, it's it's hard to do. So we're just trying to go based off of uh, memory for a majority of this episode. That's why it's very off the cuff and just kind of we're jumping around quite yeah. a bit to things that we want to touch on or mention. Yeah, which, um, again, like, there's so much that goes on throughout this game. Uh, and one thing that I really want to mention, I don't want to forget about it. I don't want to talk about it okay. just yet. But I do want to okay. f- like put a footnote. Remember, it's right here. The scene towards the end between Sam and Die Hardman. Oh, in the White House? Yes. Yes, okay. That is a good scene. Um. The war sections are really cool. You're kind of being hunted by Mads Mikkelsen in these sections, and he plays a different version of each of the soldiers from the war. So he's like a World War One captain in the first one and so on and so forth through the other segments. And he's trying... I think something that the game does really well is it leads you to believe that the BB that you have is Mads Mikkelsen's BB. Yep. And uh, I'm going to tell everybody right now, again, we did the spoiler warning, it's not. Uh, Norman Reedus's character Sam was originally a BB, and he was taken from Mads Mikkelsen's character. And the mom, the president, kind of adopts her right or adopts Norman Reedus like right after that, right? Yeah. Like so as soon as that happens, basically, um, his wife is like basically left comatose while. Um, while Sam is in a pod as a as a BB, and he basically gets the idea, I'm gonna, you know, they're not gonna let me take my son home. They like he finally gets that like idea that, or the realization that they're not gonna let him do that, and uh, he ends up disconnecting the BB, regretfully having to kill his wife, and then proceeds to try and leave. Uh, but of course, that sets off all the alarms, and everybody starts showing up. Uh, and he unfortunately is uh, is killed in the hospital. However, uh, right after this happens, we have um, I can't remember her name. She's the president. I can't remember her name off the top of my head at the at the moment. But she basically, at that moment, because the pod gets damaged in the um, firefight, they're like, we have to take him out. And she basically raises Sam from there. Uh, which should also mention that the president is played by uh, Lindsay Wagner, correct? Yes, and she plays both uh, Amelie and... Uh, Bridget. Bridget Strand. Bridget. 
Bridget, which same person, right? Yes, same person. It's just that she, Amelie is basically like a subconscious part of her that's stuck on the beach. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of this. This is a this it's is something to talk about. Great. I really understood that well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great story once you understand it, but it is hard as hell to explain to somebody. Yeah. Um yeah, if, if you haven't played it and you're like still listening, you're just huh? <laughs> yeah. Um so another so with the war stuff, I really like the war stuff and Mads Mikkelsen kind of hunting you with that idea in your head that he's after the baby when he, in actuality he was after Norman the whole time, which I think adds to the payoff so well at the end when you the realization is finally made and uh Sam realizes that the soldier he's been battling with is his father. Um, I love that they were able that Kojima was able to give Guillermo del Toro such a freaky and weird character. Um, he 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 looks kind of like a like Frankenstein's monster in a way. Yeah, because he has I'm like uh, to... he has like stitching like scars along his neck and stuff. It's interesting. He's dead man, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he he literally looks like this monster, which is really cool for Guillermo del Toro because most of his movies kind of center around a creature in some way. Um, even the film that he got to win Best Picture, The Shape of Water, centers around a creature's love for this woman. And uh, that's I, I'm really glad that he was able to get a character kind of like that and play like this Frankenstein, and he considers himself an abomination. A big thing with this game is that a lot of the characters are very tortured in one aspect or another. Like he, he's tortured with his appearance and things like that. Uh, Die Hard Man is, which you'll talk about here in a little bit, but he, um, he's got this guilt and this regret inside of him and this anger. And then you have Mama who has this baby that she doesn't want to give up, but she knows she has to because the, the baby's dead. Yeah, but it also uh, in her story, she also kind of loses um, her relationship with her sister because she was going to be like a, a surrogate mother for her. And she thought that she basically like kept the baby and like didn't like deliver that promise of like, this is your baby. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another big thing um, that we'll have to talk about is that whole story with with Margaret Qualley kind of playing dual dual roles there as yep. twin sisters. Um another really tortured character you have Hartman. And Hartman is trying to find his family on the beach. Uh really cool concept for a character. He stops his heart every what, six minutes? I think it's about five minutes, five and a half maybe. Uh, Something like Yeah. Basically that. um Whenever the death stranding occurred, he was in the hospital or it was like heart surgery or something, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. And he like died on the operating table. They And I think it, the reason it's five minutes or so is because they resuscitated him within that like five minute time frame. And that's why the like time is set that way. If I remember right. Yeah. And he he loses... um his family and he's trying to find them on the beach. So he essentially kills himself every few minutes and then brings himself back to life. Yeah. One of the craziest things about that too, is the, um, like you don't know about this until you finally get to meet him in person when Sam travels that far in the game. Um, but a really cool detail is in some like conversations with him, um, before you know this, I'll be like, uh, he'll be talking to Sam, and then, like, he just stops talking, and Sam's like, all right, man, where'd you go? And the reason is because his heart just stopped again. I think that's another thing that Kojima plays into really well throughout, throughout this game is the, the idea of you never really know what someone's going through, especially if you're talking to them in a way. They're pretty much talking to themselves like how you would online, right? Yeah. Like having these conversations, you never really see the person. And then you find out when you get there and you get to their place and you start to know these people, you're like, wow, these are really, really tortured people. And speaking of tortured, you have fragile. 
uh, wonderfully played by Leia Sadu. I have I can't believe we forgot to mention her. Yeah, on Batilla's part, uh, Fragile is such a good character. Yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a single character that doesn't hit in this game. Yeah, no, I I I agree that it it's got a great lineup and they all have really great performances backing them up. A lot of uh, old Hollywood names and a lot of new Hollywood names as well that carry the cast. Yep. So, I'm trying to think of where I want to jump to next. I mean, the music. Kojima had oh, look yeah. forward to a lot of the music for the game, and yep. it and is... the way it plays too, like it's whenever you're t- undertaking like a new uh, story, like quest, and you're like traveling to a new area. It's usually when you're traveling to a new area, or when you're treaded back from a really long trek to somewhere that you've previously been. Um, that on your journey, the music will just kick in. It's really, it's very calm, subtle. Um, and the thing with like Lovor, who did most of the songs for this game, is it's, it's, a, it's phenomenal. Every single time that like I've heard one of their songs, that just it's very peaceful. Uh, for like and like usually the lyrics as well have like an underlying tone of like some form of sadness, loneliness, something along those lines. Yeah, and it starts, I know the first song that you hear in the game is Don't Be So Serious. Yeah. Kind of going down this hill, and the, the open world is so beautiful, and it's, a lot of people make the complaint that this game is empty or whatever, but this is a post-apocalyptic world, and the map is huge. Yeah. I mean, it is a humongous map, and yeah. it's meant to kind of feel like this odyssey that you take across the United States, kind of uniting all of these people back together again. Yeah, I think one of the um, weirdest parts, though, is like for a post-apocalyptic game being set in the U.S., no other post-apocalypse has ever looked like this because it kind of just looks like Iceland. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, pretty much. And a lot of the cities have been just completely kind of buried. But how many how many years has it been like to where we are in the game? I'm actually not certain. It it can't be that long, considering like if you take Sam's age into the into account, I don't think the Death Stranding happened when he was a BB. Yeah, no, that's true. He'd have to have, he'd have to have grown up around the time that the BB or that the Death Stranding has had started. No, that's true. I don't know. I'm sure they tell you in the game. I just can't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this the story has a lot of great concluding points, and it kind of leaves a lot of room for a sequel, but not so much room as that one was ne- like a hundred percent necessary, like a complete, like a across the Spider Verse Part One kind of cliffhanger where you have to see the other one because you know it doesn't end; it just is like a to be continued kind of yeah. thing. This Where is this one? Ending. This one, it has an ending, and if we weren't getting a sequel, I would still be happy with it. But the fact that we are getting a sequel kind of excites me to see where we're going to go with this uh, story now. Yeah, and if the uh, the first trailer is anything to kind of take away about the, uh, about the new one, it's the idea that he's kind of taking it into a newer direction. Uh, A lot of elements of the trailer kind of felt more shooter-esque, if that makes sense. Like, one of the big things that's in the trailer is it says uh, the rope is no longer needed, now we need the stick, or something like that. Because in the first one, the big idea was connecting everyone, and the big tagline for this one is should we have connected. Yep. Um, and I can't really tell based off of that trailer how long it takes place after the events of the first game, but it looks pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know what? You should talk about Die Hard, man. That way we get back on track <laughs> to this, to this, or even talking about the sequel quite a bit more than I thought we would. Right. Um, so. The what I wanted to talk about with Die Hard Man was from the beginning we don't really know much about him. We know Sam has history with him, um, but we don't know exactly all that much. The most interesting thing about it is that he wears a mask 
of a it's like a, a carbon fiber skull and um what's even weirder is that bridget strand the president of the united states formerly weared it but she stopped wearing it at some point and diehard man started wearing it uh which i wonder what the what he was trying to say with the mask you know i'd like to think that he was hiding like not a, really a scare thing that he was kind of hiding right kind of hiding him himself i think what it is is it's it has to deal with clifford uh mads mickelson's character who in his story basically is um he was the his commanding officer um diehard man's commanding officer was clifford and the events that happened in the hospital that led to clifford's death diehard man was there and wasn't able to he was pulled in two different directions. He was pulled in his loyalty to Clifford and pulled into his loyalty between the president. And he completely froze, didn't know what to do. And Clifford's death weighs very heavily on him. So I think the mask kind of, the mask is to hide himself from what he, not what he did do, but what he couldn't do. Yeah, and can I just say, I absolutely love how Kojima kind of ties everything together. Like, he brings Clifford into the main story. It doesn't seem like he's going to be a part of everything, and everything just fits together so well with him and Die Hard Man and their uh, their connection to Amelie. It, it, it really, I love stories like that, where all of these different elements of plot that you don't think that there's any conceivable way that they could be connected yeah. are connected and they, they do matter and they do kind of help each other in the overall course of the story, get to yeah. that ending point. It's all about connections. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I would also like to uh, apologize to our visual viewers right now. I keep getting visitors and <laughs> they're coming back in just a minute. So <laughs> Fair enough. I keep turning off my camera. It my happens. Apologies. Um, but this thing with Die Hard Man leads to one of my favorite cutscenes in the entire game. Um, it's a conversation between um, Sam and Die Hard Man after he becomes the new president of the United States. And he um, basically talks to Sam and tells him about like how he failed Clifford um, and like Clifford was his brother. He loved him uh, like like a brother, and he just could not, like, facing the facts that he didn't save him weighs on him so much that he breaks down in tears and, like, kneels at, at Sam's feet just crying. And every time I see that scene, I can't help but cry myself. The scene that really, really got me besides the the ending kind of realization was the mama scene yeah i, I agree where, where everything comes together and you kind of she tells her story and then you end up having to sever the baby's ties to this world by cutting the literal umbilical cord uh that's kind of it's weird because the umbilical cord is both physical and metaphorical at the same time yeah because it represents death you could see it but you can't really touch it with your bare hands because it's kind of like a smoke in yeah. a way um which is another big thing that this game does is kind of blend those lines between the metaphorical and the physical what it means and what it's uh what's physically there what it's trying to tell you and what's kind of hidden if that makes sense I yeah makes sense. I, it's very interesting and the funniest part about the whole thing is like um literally you were like you were playing the game and you'd stream on uh in your server on discord and like i popped in and both times that i happened to watch is during the scene where we see mama's backstory and the scene where we see sam sever the tie between uh mama and her baby yeah i um the two I, like two of the most emotional scenes in the game and i happened to see both of them I just played through it not long ago, um, more recently than uh, Mr. Toast has. I played through it this last year for the first time, and I it had taken me a few attempts. So if you you know if you started and you find it's not really your thing, 
take a pause on it for a while and give it another shot. And, you know, if you do that a couple of times and you're still not really digging it, it might not be your thing. I've, I've had that happen with games before that a lot of people have enjoyed. And that's okay. But I, I definitely think that games like this that are so different that do things in a way like this, they deserve a couple of different chances to kind of grab your attention instead of a one and done, you know, you try it out and it's not really... You never know what kind of mood might catch you and you might get invested into something like this because I had tried to start this game a couple of different times and I didn't really have any luck with getting into it. And this most recent time, the game finally kind of grabbed me and I was in for the story and I was invested and I wanted to see it all the way through. And I feel like that's something that will happen with a lot of people, especially with a game like this. That The gameplay, it's been called a walking simulator, and as a lot of the people here that have been listening know, uh, we're not a big fan of that term, because there is so much to this game that goes beyond just that idea. I mean, the story alone is enough to just sit there and watch it. If this was a movie, I mean... Or a, ser- a TV series, which it would probably fit better into than a 30-hour-long movie. You're right. <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, how long are the cutscenes? I, I remember seeing it. It was like a third of the game. And it's some, like of the cut scenes, game. some of the cutscenes are like six minutes long. Yeah, and then there's some that when you get to, like at the end, when you put all the cutscenes together, you're sitting there watching cutscenes for like an hour almost. Yeah. It's a it's a very Metal Gear Solid Two moment where there's a lot of cutscenes, but this game has more co- like gameplay, and then like it has like all of your big um, cutscenes are playing at the beginning, a few in the middle, and a lot at the end. But it's the same thing with how Metal Gear Solid Two did it, where it's like codec call, a little bit of gameplay, codec call, huge cutscene. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a buddy that was uh, really into this, and I had asked him about it, and we were talking about it, and he was like, uh, whenever you get to the end, he said, uh, set aside like three hours. I was like, three hours? He's like, yeah, you're going to want to finish it all at once, and he was like, Ed, there's a lot of cutscenes. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and I would argue that it works for the game uh, more than it hurts it. The, oh, I the agree. acting is phenomenal. It's something about the way that you have to, like, you have to invest more time into the game, and I think that really solidifies it as well for that end portion. Because when you get to those cutscenes at the end and you're getting all these big revelations, you're getting all the big character moments, you earned that. You had to, you played the game to get there. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And um, it is a long game, as we've said, but I mean... A majority of the journey is so beautifully written. Yeah. Honestly, the environment uh, itself, like the setting, um, how it how it all looks and how everything is great. I love the way that they use rain. The timefall. Yeah, we de- we haven't talked. About, we haven't spoken about timefall yet. Yeah. So in this universe. Um, Whenever it rains, if the raindrops land on your skin or any part of you, um, it'll age. Like if you if it land a drop or two lands on your arm, you'll start it'll get all wrinkly. Yeah, uh, it start like we see it in the beginning cutscene. Um, Sam gets a single like raindrop that hits his head, and the hair immediately turns white. Uh, and then. We also have, I think it's probably one of the most traumatic scenes to watch in the game in the first half hour when um, Sam is helping the disposal, um, the corpse disposal team take a body up to the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the crematorium. Crematorium, yeah. They're taking him up to crem- uh, cremate the body because if you don't cremate the body, then the BTs are likely to cause another... Um, what do they call the exact event? It's basically a gigantic explosion. What are we saying? I don't... A lot of words. <laughs> but there's a, a scene with the time fall where a driver of the vehicle that you're in uh, gets pinned underneath of it, and the time fall starts landing on him, and you watch him go from a guy that looks like he's in like his mid-30s to 40s 
uh, start getting rained on and look like he's like 90. And the entire yeah. time he's screaming for help. I would argue that there's one scene that uses the time fall in a little bit more of a, a tragic way, at least because we're, we've, at this point in the story, we've gotten kind of attached to their... This is true. It's, it's when we see the fragile scene where um, she always wears this like very tight black leather suit, and it turns out that one of the main villains in the game that's played by uh, Troy Baker, I can't remember his character's name. Higgs. Higgs, that's right. Higgs, um, they were working together at one point, and Higgs threw her into the time fall, and it aged her, like, entire body, except for, like, her face and her hair. Yeah, he, she basically, her story's really good, too, but, um, at one point during the, like, them working together, um, Higgs is, a works for, like, these, he's a terrorist, essentially, and... He has a, he's trying to basically have her company, Fragile Express, deliver a nuke to a city, and she refuses to do it, so to break their partnership, he basically has her put on his, like, gas mask to protect her face, but everything else, like, she's in, like, a tank top and, like, underwear, and that's it, and she has to carry a bomb and throw it into a tar pit to neutralize the explosion. Yeah, and that's another thing that kind of subverts your expectations a little bit for the story is you expect her to kind of be like, <clears throat> I don't know, betray you maybe? Right. And uh, it's not exactly the way it goes. Uh, it, it's not the way it goes at all. Um, it's revealed that she really was trying to do the right thing. And yeah. That she was just stuck with some bad people for a while with Higgs and these these terrorists that are trying to finish the job that the Death Stranding started. Um, I can't remember what his motivation is. Um, I can't quite remember either, to be honest. I, he is very imposing when he shows up, though. Like, every time that he's on screen, like, it's captivating. Yeah, his Troy Baker's performance as, as the villain is is awesome. Uh, Norman Reedus does such a great job. I can't wait for the sequel to kind of see because I I Troy Baker is in the trailer, as uh, I'll say. And um, what they what it looks like they're doing with him is very interesting, and I I can't wait to see the direction that Kojima takes this into i don't know if he's gonna do two and done for this i don't know if he's planning on turning this into a franchise i know really exciting news especially for me as a big a24 nerd a24 is doing a death stranding movie that kojima is supposed to direct really oh you didn't know that i did not know that yeah a24 is doing a death stranding movie with kojima set to direct and norman reed is set to star very cool uh we also have uh a few months back we had pictures of norman reedus and uh keanu reeves together <laughs> from kojima's a, twitter account kojima's been meeting a lot of people like uh, his twitter is the wildest shit he, he just like ends up with all these like insanely like he'll be like out to dinner with al pacino <laughs> 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 out, out to dinner with nicholas cage nicholas cage swung by to say what's up jordan peele and me on facetime and he he's just got like these connections. I chill with Reggie. You're right. Uh, Reggie, the uh, Nintendo guy. For those of you who don't know Reggie, but uh, he's just he he's really become like this lightning in a bottle celebrity, and it's kind of very reminiscent of what happened to Tarantino, where he became like this public figure, and that's not it's not usual for directors to become such a big name like that to like have as many talk show appearances and be as big as the actors are that's yeah. a that's a new thing that's been the last 30 years where these directors are starting to take on like these huge media personalities and kojima is one of the first game directors to kind of do that right i think it's a, as well like he gets out in front of a, a project that he's working on like there's always um you can always go back and find like behind the scenes like interviews and stuff from the metal gear games you can find stuff from death stranding um, I think he's just, he really, he's really passionate about talking about what he's worked on. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And he definitely take, like, comes with this sense of, like, genuineness mm -hmm. and this, this gentleness to, like, all of his stories that 
that he tells it he he's one of the only directors working in video games that's that's like that right um so uh try to think of what else i want to talk about because we've kind of jumped we've like <laughs> we've we've jumped a little bit everywhere um so but honestly an element that i feel like we haven't really talked about too much is gameplay and uh I don't know about how you felt about it personally, but there's something very calming uh, about just delivering packages. Like, you kind of just... And you also have, like, moments where, like, different people you've connected with, like, you can connect... You get connected with the weather station at one point, and, like, you can start plotting your route in a more, uh, like, thought-out way where you can avoid timefall as much as possible and find better routes. And it's something that, like, at first, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to walk like in a straight line. But you kind of get to a point where you just, I'm going to try and find a better way around. Yeah, and I, I, I did really like the gameplay. Uh, I don't really care what anyone has to say about that. Um, I think that the gameplay is really good, and I like the walking mechanics. I think that for for walking mechanics in a game, it, it doesn't really get better than this. It's It's very of its own thing. Um, like the balancing and everything like that. I think the gameplay's great. I, yeah. I, I really do. Um, I don't have any problems with it. And I like I like the story quite a bit too. Um, in terms of how it kind of plays with that gameplay, not just in the cutscenes. I'm talking about the story that plays out in the world. I like the phone calls you get that kind of fills you in. This whole game is, especially for your first time playing through it, it's a huge learning experience. You're not just learning how the game works, how to best deliver these packages, how to avoid and kill enemies, things like that. Yeah, You're learning the story through the gameplay as you're going through. You're They're feeding you information. You're seeing how things work in this world. And I think that's one of the best things that a video game can do is to deliver you a story, not just through cutscenes and not just through dialogue, but through the gameplay itself. Yeah. Another thing I really enjoy about the, like the way they deliver your story as well is um, if it's like, oh, I encountered something new while I was out delivering this uh, to somebody, like you'll usually, the next time you go into your, um, your private room to rest, you'll get like an email from somebody or you'll get like a, some kind of like documented file or something about what you just encountered. And it tells you a little bit more about its history. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there, this game is absolutely rich with lore and all of these different things that just Kojima just decided he was going to put pen to paper. And it, it, it's really reminiscent of kind of Frank Herbert writing Dune or George Lucas writing star Wars. These guys just sit down and they're like, yeah, I think I'm going to create an entire universe full of nonsense words that mean these like crazy things. And it and it works. Yeah. Almost every single time they try to do something like that, it works because it's something that the, your audience has never seen before. And I'll tell you right now, I was like this Death Stranding trailer too when I first started watching, I was like nothing in here is going to like rock my jimmies and 30 seconds into the trailer there's a BB opening its mouth and a fucking ship comes out of it. And I'm like, all right. All right, <laughs> all right what's going team. on? Okay. You got me. You're going to fuck my head again. It's yep. all right. Um, one thing I do also want to talk about more um, before we end up wrapping up here is um, the bridge baby and the connection with Sam that develops throughout the story. Yeah, one of the... It really is kind of a statement on fatherhood. Uh, the best statements uh, on fatherhood since Eraserhead. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is a statement on fatherhood and the kind of anxiety that comes with it. And, it, and through the course of the story, as Sam kind of gets attached to this baby, so do you. Like there, There's intentional gameplay mechanics to get you to feel that way. Like whenever the baby's freaking out, you literally have to take it off of your out of your equipment and rock the baby. Yeah. And if you're not playing on PC, you're playing on PlayStation, you actually have to like rock your controller. It's a really cool detail. Yeah. It it's it's awesome. And it's all again, it's feeding into that idea where the gameplay feeds the story. And I think that the the bridge baby being such an integral part of the gameplay makes when you get to the cutscene 
where Sam has to dispose of the bridge baby. And we're still, at this point, you're not really sure if he did for real or not, because it's left kind of open-ended there. Um, you feel that. Yeah. You feel that because you you were so attached to this baby, not just through these cutscenes and them telling you, but you you've experienced it through the gameplay. You've experienced attachment to this to this baby, and yeah. that makes the ending of it so much more heartbreaking and so much more um, immersive for the for the for the player. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things is the first time that you get a like from BB. Like you're literally just doing your thing, and like you literally see on like the side of the screen it says BB give you a like. <laughs> it's awesome and th that's the other cool thing is that like you'll get to see like the game is single player but it's got this like online you don't really run into other players but you kind of run into their creations and they can leave signs for you and it makes the world feel full yeah but isolated at the same time yeah it's one of the coolest things is um it's very rare, but you can, like, also encounter other porters, but they're not, like, they're not ones that other players are interacted with. But you can, the first time that you connect to the Chiral Network on your way back, you'll start seeing things that other players have created. So, like, there'll be bridges, there'll be, um, if you progress far enough into it, there'll be, like, zip lines that you can set up. I remember at one point actually seeing, like, two zip lines in one space, and, like, I was, like, this I could put a zipline right here and connect these two and make a third one and then you just do like this long bridge and the way that that kind of like unlocks more of the exploration aspects of the game like you'll be coming to a point where it's like oh yeah I can use this the one that I just set up and then like later on you come back and you see that somebody else has set up something else that connects to yours yeah, and I just want to say that some of the guys, whoever you are out there that was playing around the same time as me and set up those things for me, thank you. Yeah, you get a I like from me, it. dog. <laughs> yeah, you get a like from me. Um, but that that's a really cool cool aspect of the game, and it adds both to the isolation but also to the idea of connecting everything again. Yeah, it's all, like, the the whole theme and everything is connection. Yeah, and I, I, I think that it's executed extremely well throughout throughout the entire experience yeah uh another mirroring of our our, our reality to the game as well as uh as we we're talking about isolation and the pandemic and everything the only way that sam usually sees people that aren't like the main characters of the game uh like ones that are at like the the way stations and everything you only see them through like a holographic screen much similar to uh, the Zoom calls of the time. Yeah, it's crazy that this came out less than half a year before all of that happened. Where me, us at Kojima, were just both perfect at planning things out right before something happens. Yep. Um. So, I if is there anything else that you want to touch on before I start doing our outro? Trying to make sure I didn't forget anything. Um. If you haven't played Death Stranding already, you should totally give it a shot yourself. Um, especially if you can get the director's cut, it adds a lot of um, like new like uh, gadgets and tools for you to use in the game, as well as uh, I think it adds some new cutscenes. I could be wrong, but definitely give that a shot if you haven't already, and if the story we've mentioned uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, for sure. And if you have an Epic Games account and you've gotten on and collect your free games, check on it because you might have picked it up because they did give it away for free. And if you have the standard, look for the, the director's cut upgrade. I think so it usually runs like ten bucks. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a phenomenal game and I, I recommend each and every one of you play it for yourself and then uh give the second one a shot when it comes out in twenty twenty five. Uh looking to the future um we've got another twilight zone episode coming up for you guys i don't think we have a specific day that we're doing that one yet but uh we'll be covering uh the second part of season one and then we'll have one more episode for season one but that is uh gonna be our next episode sometime in the next week week and a half and uh i think that's that's all that we have here yep um be sure to join the discord if you haven't already uh like on youtube download on spotify those are the big goals for you guys um that's pretty much it 
Thank yeah. you all so Thanks. much for being here. Um, and as the Truman Show would say, uh, if I don't see you, uh, good night, good morning, and something else. I don't remember the whole quote. <laughs> see you later. Yeah, good something enough. Like I think he said, see you, space cowboy, actually. That's, that's Cowboy Bebop, which is another episode in the future, maybe, if we're lucky. <laughs> Very possible. Don't, Very possible. Don't count your eggs before they've hatched, though. <laughs> Yes, that's true. All right, you all have a fantastic evening. Thank you all so much for being here. Take care.